Good to see you. Glad we could all be together. It's really great to see some of you I haven't seen in a long time. We've got the trickle effect coming back here, so I'm glad that you're here. Welcome to those of you joining us online. We're glad that you're with us as well. Hey, I'm, uh, I'm super excited to begin a new series today, and uh, I really think God has some things to, to say to us. But I want to begin with a straightforward question. Are you good at keeping secrets? That's the question. Are you good at keeping secrets? And some of you are already being indicted by those sitting next to you, okay? <laughs> right. So if someone entrusts you with uh, a secret, is their secret safe with you? Or is your idea of keeping secrets to tell only one person at a time? <laughs> okay. Are you trustworthy when you're entrusted with things that, that are secret? So, so part of my job as a pastor is to keep secrets. And over many years, uh, I've been confided in uh, from people about their sins and their struggles and their stories in life. And uh, often I've talked to people who have said to me, I've never told anyone that. I've never said that to anyone. And uh, I consider it a high uh, privilege and trust to be in those kinds of conversations. In fact, uh, many people in our region have uh, government jobs. They work for agencies that require them to keep secrets, and they're cleared not to divulge secret or top secret information. But if one of these people said to you, hey, do you want to hear some secrets? Would you say, like I probably would? Sure. <laughs> right? Sure. Because there's, there's a natural curiosity inside of us when someone suggests that they have confidential information that can be shared to those who are willing uh, to listen. So let me ask you, does God keep secrets? Does God keep secrets? Does he have information that he deliberately hides from us? So if so, does God ever reveal those secrets? So today we're beginning a brand new series that I've called Secrets of God. We're going to take three weeks together. I'm up each one of those weeks. I'm very excited. You got to know for me, like some of these kinds of sermon series that we put together here, for me, they sort of morph over the long haul. And, uh, and you are often the recipients of my personal angst and musings, okay? So this is one of those series. I am so profoundly uh, curious about this subject. And I hope that together we can open God's word and dig into this and see what he has to say uh, about it. So until their freedom from Egypt, the Israelites had known only one existence, slavery. For over 400 years, they had been in bondage to this uh, cruel regime in Egypt. In fact, think about this, 400 years, generations had passed, whole generations People were born and died in slavery, and it's the only life they knew. Yet God had a plan, and God was moving to create for himself a people and to give them a land, and you know the story. And, and after the, the uh, Israelites were freed, God gave them the Mosaic Law. We also know it as the Old Covenant. And here through the mediator Moses... We have God giving directives. Think of the Old Testament law as a kind of constitution for this people who had never been governed by anything but a, a cruel uh, hierarchy of, of Egypt. 
So God says to you, you're my people, I'm making you a nation, I'm pulling you out of slavery, I'm going to give you a land, all of those kinds of things. But oh, by the way, you're clueless about how you ought to live. They've lived in a pagan, pagan culture for generations now. And so God says to them, here is my covenant arrangement with you. And that's what he does. He tells them how to live, uh, and that's mediated through Moses, the Mosaic law or the old covenant. Now, I believe the secret to understanding the Old Testament is found in three chapters of the book of Deuteronomy. If you know anything about the meaning of the word Deuteronomy, it's taken from two words, Deutero and Namas, right? So Deutero 2, Namas, law, the second giving of the law. Deuteronomy recites for us and recalls for us Moses giving the Israelites again the prescriptives that God has given them. This is how God wants us to live, Moses would be saying. And those three chapters that I believe provide um, the clues as to how to understand the Old Testament are Deuteronomy 28, 29, and 30. And there in Deuteronomy 28, 29, and 30, we find God simply saying, here's, here's the secret, there are blessings for obedience and there are cursings for disobedience. Now, if you nail that down and understand these little chapters that are tucked away in the book of Deuteronomy, I think you'll be able to understand uh, actually what God is doing with his people throughout the Old Testament. So, for example, here's a blessings passage out of that section, Deuteronomy 28, 1 and 2. Now, it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. I love that language. Because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. And then he describes cursings, uh, verse 15 of Deuteronomy 28. But it shall come to pass if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. One of the things we discover here is that whatever blessings he's promised, and the list is long, we're not going to take time to go into it today, but those, those, that list of, of blessings get, get reversed. They get undone and they become curses from God. Now, this reality helps us decode what happens to Israel throughout the Old Testament. For example, based on how they live, whether they're obedient or disobedient, they can experience plenty or they can experience scarcity. Indeed, they can experience success in battle or they can experience defeat in battle. They can be living in peace or they can be carried away by their enemies. God's plan for the Israelites was very literal I'm going to prosper you literally, externally. By the way, we don't have that guarantee in the New Testament, but that's another, that's another conversation. So here's, here's we have God just telling, reminding the people through Moses again in Deuteronomy, this, this is how it works. This is the covenant arrangement. Obey me, I'll bless you. Disobey me, I'll curse you, God says. But nestled within these three powerful chapters that provide the kind of interpretation for understanding the Old Testament, we find a single verse that could actually go unnoticed were it not for the fact that I want to use it today, Okay. Here it is, Deuteronomy 29, verse 29. The secret things belong to the Lord, our God, 
But those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. Now, he's talking about blessings for obedience and cursings for disobedience. That's the whole template here. And then nestled right in there, he slips this little verse in. It's almost a throwaway. It's like a reminder. What does he say? The secret thing. Who's talking about secret things? Well, God is. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. Now he's talking to the Israelites here and he's reminding them. What's he talking about? The secret things. There are some things that are secret. They belong to God. And God's not telling them, at least right now. And then there are things that God has revealed. So, you know, secret is, what is a secret? A secret is that something that's kept unknown, unseen, hidden, or concealed. And yet God also reveals some things. Now, in this context, if we're honest and looking at this passage and where it's found in the Bible, what is the thing that, that is revealed? He's already revealed certain things. Well, he tells us right here in this verse. What does he reveal to them? He's revealed to them the law. God says, this is how I want you to live. Now, God's got other secrets back here. He's holding on to. He hasn't revealed a lot of things to them, but he has revealed this. He has revealed the law. This is how I want you to function as a society. This is how I, this is the constitution for you as a nation, you Israelites, children of Israel. And so God reveals that to them. Look at the last verse, that we may do all the words of this law. That's what he's revealed. We know what to do now, the Israelites could say. Rob Reamer, in his uh, great book, Soul Care, describes theology 101 like this. God is smart. He knows stuff we don't. And he likes to tell us. There you go. For those of you budding Bible scholars, that's pretty much all you need to know right there. Theology 101, right? God is smart. He knows stuff we don't know. And he likes to tell us. Put another way, God is not silent. He's just not for millennia, he's been communicating to humanity through the glory of his creation and specifically through the story of salvation through Jesus. This is God's plan. And he's been communicating it since the creation of the world. So clearly God wants us to know who he is and how much we're loved by him. That's the beauty of the story that's unfolding. But to Reamer's statement, I would like to add a few extra words. Would you mind if I modify his statement a little bit here? God is smart. He knows stuff we don't know. And he likes to tell us some of that stuff. Some of that stuff. I think that statement represents more accurately what God is telling us in the scriptures. You know why? God doesn't tell us everything. Now, for those of you that are disappointed at this point, you just may be, you know, bailing on the whole thing, right? I'm just telling you the truth. Don't shoot the messenger here, okay? God doesn't tell us everything. He can even seem secretive. There it is. So in the book of Proverbs, we find a simple verse reminding us of God's mysterious ways. Again, today we're looking at some little passages that are just tucked away like they're kind of in secret. And yeah, there they are. Look at Proverbs 25, verse 2. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing. But the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Wait a minute. You're telling me, God, you're getting glory by keeping secrets? Yep, that's what it says. 
It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Another translation puts it this way. It is God's privilege to conceal things and the king's privilege to discover them. And put another way, God is God. And if he chooses to hide stuff, to conceal stuff, that's his privilege. That's what he can do. But it doesn't stop there. There's something within people, a king in this particular passage that says, you know what? There's a kind of glory for us, a kind of honor found in searching that stuff out. Have you felt it? Have you approached God and said, God, there there, there is an eagerness on my part. But, But let's be honest, like the glory of God to conceal a thing. God seems to be working backwards. He's hiding things. Does God even understand how evangelism works? What are you doing, God? So that first Christmas, God came to earth in the person of Jesus, born a helpless little baby. God came to earth in hiddenness and seclusion. We know this is part of the story, right? It's almost like he was trying to keep the whole thing a secret. God could have arrived on this planet in a way different fashion, but he didn't. Or one day, think about this, a man with leprosy comes to Jesus And Jesus heals the man and says to him, don't tell anyone. Or Jairus, a Jewish official whose daughter was sick. Jesus had come into the home only to discover as people came out of where she was that she had actually died. So Jesus goes in where this little girl has died. And what does he do? He brings her back to life. He performs a miracle, raises her back to life. And then Jesus says to the whole crowd gathered there, don't tell anybody. (laughs) Or Peter, James, and John were invited by Jesus to be present when he was transfigured on the mount. He said, guys, come, come up to this mountain with me. And there, Jesus in this glowing presence was joined by Moses and Elijah. Can you imagine this? These people who had been dead for centuries, they're there with Jesus. They're in this sort of glorified state and Jesus is shining and glowing and these three guys are standing there going, wow, this is is awesome. I mean, can you imagine the privilege of being a part of that? Extraordinary. But Jesus' marching orders to these disciples following that experience were, don't tell anyone what you saw. Now, I don't know about you, but I got to ask, what's going on here? You know, these accounts and others are are mysterious, but I believe we can come to a conclusion and and we could study this and go into it, Lord. But here's what I believe is going on. God's revealing of his secrets is always according to his own purposes and timing. He knows what he's doing. We could trace each of those stories and I could show you how his public ministry wasn't. There were things he was saving for that riding into Jerusalem that day and all of that. But we just have to know that God, God is in charge there. That, that, that his own purposes and his own timing, what this is all about. When God, you know, God gets to decide why and when he reveals this private information. But that rubs us the wrong way in our culture. You know why? Because we live in a know-it-all culture. Here's what I mean by that. We think we have the right to know everybody's business. We just think it ought to all be out there. And many people think they have an obligation to share their personal trivia. What they're wearing and what they're eating and a record of their Venmo history. Right? What kind of world do we live in? But it has become expected like we, we think we have a right to meddle in each other's stuff. 
And some of us out there feel like we have an obligation to share with the world every little detail of our life. It slays me sometimes, right? So without even realizing it, we may have embraced a myth about God and his secrets. Here's the myth. God is obligated to tell me everything I want to know. And if God doesn't disclose certain information to me, he must not care about me. Have you been there? I know a lot of people have. Have you ever had those moments in prayer when you just needed like a simple, single answer to something and God goes silent? Nothing? Like, God, how hard can this be? You know, my face is in the carpet here, God. I'm pleading with you. I'm talking to you. You tell me that you hear me, that you'll, that you'll listen. What do you do with that? Do you conclude that he must not care? Some people do. Or do you conclude that he's still there waiting to reveal something good in his time? You see, our problem is we, we live in a world where we have the option to embrace what the Bible calls worldly or human wisdom or to embrace what the Bible call, calls God's wisdom. Paul distinguishes this too. And I, and I want to go into a little lengthier passage here. So if you have a Bible, you can turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And I want to pick up there. Paul has, has begun to remind the Corinthians of the power of the Spirit in their lives. And here's what he says, starting at verse 7, 1 Corinthians 2. He says, instead, we speak the wisdom of God hidden in a mystery. That God determined before the ages for our glory. Now, let's just park on that for a minute. He says, we're speaking a wisdom of God. Again, he's beginning to compare and contrast wisdom from God versus earthly or human wisdom. He says, I'm speaking to you guys the wisdom of God that's hidden in a mystery. He's not trying to fake them out. He's not trying to say, guys, it's out there. Don't you see it? No, we're talking about a mystery that's hidden. It's a secret. Hidden. In a mystery that God determined before the ages for our glory. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't you mean for your glory, God? Is that a misprint? <laughs> no. For our glory. That's going to make a little more sense in a minute. He's talking about moving us to a position of right standing with God. None of the rulers of this age understood it. Now listen, we live in a very volatile time, but we got to be honest. There is human wisdom and there's God's wisdom. And, there, and human wisdom doesn't understand God's wisdom. There's a lot of human wisdom out there. And it's not the same as God's wisdom. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had known it, if they had understood this wisdom from God, not this human earthly wisdom, then they wouldn't have even crucified Jesus. They would have understood that there was a mystery being revealed in the coming uh, arrival and the death of Jesus Christ. Wow. So when biblical writers talk about mystery, it's not just something mysterious. Like when you see the word mystery in the Bible, it's not just like, you know, cue the creepy organ music, you know, woo woo. No, that's not it. It's something different. In the Bible, a mystery is something to be revealed. Did you know that? It's not just mysterious. It's something that God wants to unfold to us. Now notice the next verse. It's filled with promise and hope and wonder. Here it is. But just as it is written, 
Things that no eye has seen or ear heard or mind imagined are the things God has prepared for those who love him. Now, this is sort of a loose paraphrase of Isaiah 64, verse 4. But did you, did you catch all that? Right. This this verse reminds us that God has secrets. It reminds us that something is going on behind the scenes, things that no eye has seen, things that no ear has heard, things that no mind has imagined. These are the things God has prepared for those of us who love him. Now, I think probably the popular way of understanding this verse is to is to look at it and go, man, this this verse is clearly pointing toward heaven. This is the expectation of something beyond this life. Can can we get our heads around it, our eyes around it, our our ears around it? No, no, this this is marvelous. This is extraordinary, too, too mysterious for us to to even know. Maybe this is pointing our view toward heaven, our, our never ending life with God. Have you ever fantasized about heaven? Some of you more than others because you're getting closer to the finish line. But you know what? No matter how old you are, you could cross the finish line today. We know that, right? Don't point to all the old people in the room, all right? Have you ever wondered what's that going to be like? More accurately, what will it be like to inhabit the new earth? Because that's where we're bound. You know that, right? Present heaven will be done away with and new earth will be created. We'll spend eternity there on that new earth. After all, those are the things about eternity that we've never seen, we've never heard, we've never imagined. Now we could just pause here and bask in the secrets yet to be revealed and wonder about them. You know, we don't know them. Like the, the future things that we've never seen, the future things that we've never heard, the future things that we've never imagined, secrets that God has prepared for us. And I could close in prayer right here and go, you know, let's, Let's think about heaven together and it's going to be great. Except there's a verse after this. Don't stop here. You know what the verse after this says? Here it is, verse 10. God has revealed these things to us by His Spirit. Whoa, whoa. Has revealed. That's past action with present result. God has revealed these things. So listen, no eyes seen, no ears heard, nothing's entered into them. The mind hasn't even imagined Some of your translations have the word but here. But God has revealed these things to us. Didn't see that coming, did you? So this is not talking about heaven. God has revealed these things to us by his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. So reading the text, we discover that that there are secrets that have already been revealed. What What is Paul talking about? Look at the next verse. Verse 12, now we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God so that we may know the things that are freely given to us by God. Friends, the context is suggesting that the secret about salvation is no longer a secret. That's what he's telling the Corinthians. God had this thing back here. It was all secretive and then he unfolded his plan and you Corinthian believers and you believers sitting here today and joining us wherever you are. You're the recipients of that secret. The secret's out. It's no longer a secret. Here's what he goes on to to tell us here. So that we may know the things that are freely given to us by God. The reality of the cross found its fulfillment in the New Testament. 
and you and me and the rest of these people here are recipients of that. So remember the verse that I referenced at the beginning of my talk here today, Deuteronomy 29, 29, that little secret verse tucked in all, all that discussion. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the works of the law. So the secret things that God has revealed to them would be the law, okay? They're secret things that belong only to God. Now at that time, when God unfolds that plan, he reveals the law, but he didn't reveal the details of the cross down here. Oh, he hinted at it. And prophets would follow with that and describe what's going on. But that, that was still part of the secret things that belong to, the, to God. But now God has revealed those secret things to you and to me, those of us living in the New Testament age. Thank you, God. Friends, this is an awesome time to be alive. The secret's out. We don't have to guess. We don't have to wonder. We don't have to speculate. Hmm, what do you think he's talking about? I don't know. The secret's out. Paul says they've been freely given to us by God. So do you realize that, that, the, that the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed? And the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. That's how God is working and unfolding this incredible plan. Now today, before I send you out of here on a secret assignment or, or to ponder this more deeply, I just want to leave you with three reminders, uh, extrapolations from some of what we've talked about here uh, today. Reminders about the secrets of God. Here's the first one. Secrets of God are meant to ignite a faith-filled curiosity. So God's just not, he's not teasing us. He's just not trying to make things complicated for us. God has these beautiful things that he wants us to know. But, but bear with me here. He doesn't cheaply dispense that information. He says to us, is there something in you that my spirit has stirred that, that, would, that would cause you to be curious in a faith-filled quest to discover more about my secrets? What kind of childlike delight can we exhibit and be curious about God's secret plans that are unfolding? Curiosity is magnificent. We've been gifted by God with that ability. Here's number two. Secrets of God remind us that God is in charge and is completely trustworthy. If you're still knocking on the door for God, tell me all your secrets. Friends, that'll never happen. You know why? I believe for all of eternity, there will be secrets that we'll never know. Think about it like this. If you show up in heaven and you know everything there is to know about God, that's a little awkward. Because it means he's not as magnificent as you thought he was. There's no way, even for all of eternity, we'll plunge the depths of God and his graciousness and magnificence and all of that. Will we know everything about God? Absolutely not. Will we comprehend it all instantly? No. My view is that we'll continue to learn for all of eternity. And even for all of eternity, we'll just be scratching the surface of who God is. Because he's great and magnificent. He's revealing his plan and secrets in human history just like he said he would. And God's plan is unstoppable. We, we, you can't throw yourself in front of that train and go, I'm trying to stop the train. Well, good luck. It's not going to happen, right? And he is completely trustworthy. Here's a final reminder to chew on here. Secrets of God give us hope in times of uncertainty and despair. 
They just do. So when life gets difficult, we can have hope that God is working, even when we can't see all the details. You see, ultimately, everything I'm talking about here comes down to, are we willing to trust God? Or do we, we have to know everything or see everything? If, if you're waiting to see everything and for God to tell you everything that he's up to and how it works, you're going to be really disappointed and so am I. But if God is saying, listen, I'm God and you're not, and I'm in charge and you're not, would you move toward me and I will reveal things to you. I will show you things. He's already doing that. That's how human history is unfolding. God's doling out secrets. Started way back here with the Israelites. He he gave them a little piece. He said, there you go. But he didn't give them everything. And now you and I live in an age where God has revealed incredible secrets based on who Jesus is, why he came, the plan of salvation. It is beautiful how we're connected to him, how his spirit indwells us. So whether we like it or not, God has chosen to keep some things to himself and we will never completely comprehend God and his ways. But he is personal and loving and he will continue to reveal things to us. So I'm super excited about these three weeks that we get to spend together in this series. And so next week, I want to talk to you about, in part two of this series, I'm going to talk to you about the secret to learning the secrets of God. And we're going to discover some things that may, and it may not be what you think. Okay, the answer to that question may not be what you think. But I believe together, as we focus our attention on God, we can grow and change and be stretched in ways we never imagined. All of this, by the way, is headed to the culmination where God reveals incredible secrets for all eternity. And I'm delighted to be on the journey with you. You know, I don't have all this figured out, but I'm going to share what I believe God is speaking in his word. And we get to together say, God, would you help me become a person just that embraces curiosity to discover more about who you really are. Our God, we're grateful that while you're big and magnificent and you're removed from us and you're mysterious and you're all-knowing, all-powerful, all of that, and we'll never really tap into that fully, God. We've got a long way to go, but we thank you. We thank you, God, that you are compassionate, that you're trustworthy, and that you delight to reveal things. You delight in your plan to unfold what you're doing in humanity. Father, help us be people that are curiously faith-filled. Say, oh God, we, we get to discover more about who you are and how you work in our lives. We glorify your name. We praise you and pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen.